Hey guys, it's Monday, but we're back with a brand new episode of Waste Time with It's The Real. Surprise, it's February, and we're calling this a February surprise. We are dropping five new episodes on you the same way we dropped 12 new episodes on you around Christmas. It is our gift to you, our winter break. It is a February surprise. And we're starting off with Wyclef Jean, but before we get into this episode, I wanted to say a few words. And Jeff, jump in if you feel like it. Now, whether you've been rocking with us for for nearly a decade, or if you're brand new to us, thanks to this Very Here podcast, we appreciate you. We're just two kids who grew up loving hip-hop music and hip-hop culture, and a decade in, we are so grateful that we've carved our own lane within this world. Whether it was weekly sketch videos, absurdist interviews on MTV, uh, podcasts, or music videos, you guys have been there to support to spread the word, and to push us forward. In just a few weeks, we are going to be living out our dream and headlining SOBs here in New York City. It is called Your Girls Tour. And you know who's been on that stage. Everybody from Kanye to Drake to John Legend to 2 Chains, and now us. And now having attended a million concerts at SOBs over the last 10 years, we know what kind of opportunity this is. And we've been working very hard over the last two months getting ready for an unforgettable night. So, listen... We don't just want to show up at SOBs on February 23rd. Like we've done our whole career, let's aim for the sky and people. Let's sell SOBs out. Now, this is where you can help. New York City. Brooklyn. The Bronx. Westchester. New Jersey. Connecticut. South Harlem. And beyond. If you love It's The Real... If you appreciate what we bring to the game, if our podcast is a soundtrack to your commute, if we can bring laughs to an otherwise shitty day, show us some love for this concert and buy your tickets today to your girls tour on February 23rd. Tickets are literally the price of a movie. And please know that this night will be a movie. It's definitely going to be a movie. Go to itsthereal.com right now and let's make history together. Now, Jeff... Who do we have on the podcast today? Today we've got Wyclef Jean from the Fugees, from his solo career, from the motorcycle, from Haiti, <laughs> all of that. This is a uh, this is an episode that is it's not your normal Wyclef Jean interview. We ask all the questions that other interviewers are afraid to ask. That's right. This is a great interview. He was here for a while. Great sense of humor, and uh, I'm really excited to bring this to everyone. When should we get into it? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Petri Dish, a.k.a. For the Culture. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Fuck 12, a.k.a. Busy Night. Yeah, yo, this is why Clef Jean, a.k.a. Haitian Lover, a.k.a. Toussaint Louverture King, <laughs> a.k.a. Now, girls, you was in college with me, you already know, Chocolate <laughs> Thunder. Now, let's get into it. Yeah, it's a waste of time, but it's the real. what's happening? What's up, baby? It feels good to be back in this space, man. Yo, welcome this is, to the Upper West Side. This is so cool, man. No, we appreciate you coming through. I'm feeling the love. You know, for me, this is natural. Like, the the Fuji's, the score. Yeah. Literally, was recorded the Booger in this Basement apartment. Oh. was recorded in this apartment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it was recorded in the Booger Basement. So, mm-hmm. literally, you will walk in the hood, you know, just go downstairs to the basement, my... My aunt just be cooking upstairs, like, hey, just go to the basement. <laughs> um, so you 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 spent much of your, your uh, adolescence in New Jersey, right? Yeah, yeah, between Brooklyn and New Jersey, because what happens is 
I came from Haiti when I was 10, mm-hmm. lived in Brooklyn. So my grandma and everybody's in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So then uh, my father felt Jersey would be better mm-hmm. because we was getting into a lot of trouble in Brooklyn. Where in Brooklyn? And, um, I was in Marlboro Projects, mm-hmm. Coney Island. Then after that, I was over on Flatbush. Then Nostrand, Utica, Avenue J. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah every I, train stop. Yeah, they literally <laughs> was like, you know, we was moving around. And finally, my, my father, who he used to transport cars from like one location to another, barely could speak English. Mm-hmm. But one day, I guess he was transporting a car from New York to New Jersey. And he sees this sign. And the sign says Garden State. Right. right? Yeah. And he from Haiti. <laughs> so he read this sign like a state of gardens. Well, <laughs> and he was a farmer, so he's mm. like, "Yo, we gonna move to farmland." Oh my god! So, um, and then we end up in East Orange and in Newark. <laughs> well, Orange surprisingly doesn't uh, farm yeah, oranges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know what's interesting to us is like if we think about like um famous rappers from New Jersey like everyone has the same list right it's like Queen Latifah Naughty mm. by Nature Joe uh, Budden Red Man mm. but like I feel like people don't give you your Jersey props how much was New Jersey a part of making who you are today I mean well it's as crazy I as to say like um, I will be in the New Jersey Hall of Fame yeah yeah so I think that you know finally you know they are yeah. giving my props because you know what happened with Jersey I don't know how much more Jerseyan I could be. They should name to, a rest stop after you. Yeah, yeah to actually. Yeah, fuck Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Catholic high school, East Orange, New Jersey. Our Lady Help of Christian. That's where I went to. Mm-hmm. Then high school, I went to Velsburg High School in Newark. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm straight up South Orange bully heavy. <laughs> so I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I think it's because. When I rep, I'm always repping Jersey and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And then because my grandma, because that side of the West Indies, they, you know, every weekend we be in Brooklyn. But, you know, Jersey is where I credit mm-hmm. a lot of it to, you know, battle rapping, yeah. just studying, uh, learning the culture, the versatility of music from rock to rap. All of that I learned in Jersey, you know. Um, by the way, we were just talking about how you're a huge battle rap fan, like Smack DVDs and all that. Well, I mean, I'm part of the... So when I was battling in high school, mm-hmm. my name was, my first name is Nell. Mm-hmm. So my name was Nellie Nell. And um, yeah, anybody who's listening to this from Velsberg, you already know mm-hmm. I used to tear their asses in half. <laughs> so I've never, so you know, battle rapping for me was personal because mm-hmm. coming from Haiti and they was picking on Haitian kids, mm-hmm. I felt like if I could get my, my words together, I would have so much to say. So whenever I battled, it was very personally. And um, look at my English. It was very personally. <laughs> That's the Haitian coming out. It was very personally. You see? <laughs> personally. Personally. <laughs> we, have, we have some good friends of ours um, named Renaud and Wozni who are, who are Haitian and proud Haitians and good, all that. Good, good, good. And they came on the podcast and they were talking about there's lots of like speculation online as to who is secretly Haitian and they mm. were naming because um, there's always like been like Russell Westbrook yeah Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. and uh, Shaquille O'Neal and <laughs> LeBron James and Mary mm. J. Blige and a lot of people like speculate that you know YG they think is like secretly Haitian mm-hmm. do you have any um, secret Haitians yeah any people you think are man it's so Haitian? funny because when we started this movement you know what I'm saying to you we had the Zopound mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying so Macazo that's my brother he's doing double life in prison wow. everybody you hear in Zopound 
that's the leader of the zoo, my mm-hmm. good friend. So um, you also have those guys that would put Haitian in front of their names, like Haitian Jack. He'll right. let you yeah. know, yo, I'm Haitian. Yeah. You know, and um, and it's so funny because Usher, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Me that's and Usher, one. listen, yeah. listen. So the, the, <laughs> I, I'm the one who started the Usher rumor. Oh, you did? <laughs> okay. Ask Usher when you're interviewing. Yeah, He'll yeah. tell y'all. Mm-hmm. So I used to do an event in Miami every year. Like this is like way before all the crazy events that are popping now. So mm-hmm. I had I had one of the events in Bayfront Park. So I was caking because I was the only event. So basically, if you was a celebrity, you know, I'll bring you out every year and we'll rock. So I bought Usher out one year. So Usher was like, what I'm going to do? I said, yo, you know me. We're going to go out there and we're going to catch a vibe. So literally when Usher went, I, I gave him like a Creole word. I was like the basic Creole word. You know <laughs> what I mean? I was like, say shalom, sac passe. And I was like, say sac passe, right? Mm-hmm. So he goes out there and he's doing his thing and then he's like, sac passe, na boule. All of a sudden, the Haitian was like, yo, I told you, man. I told you Usher's Haitian, man. Like, yo, I don't know how he kept it that long, man. Yo, and I'm, and even when I talk, Haitians got this thing in their brain. When they put it in their brain, you can't talk sense to them mm-hmm. about who's Haitian or not. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like um, when I was watching like my fat Greek the the yeah, yeah big fat yeah, Greek wedding yeah. yeah big fat Greek wedding yeah that's straight up how the Haitians are <laughs> they want to tie and I guess it's because we barely had people that wanted to claim us you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying to you right. so it was like yo when I was going in the Grammys I was like yo this the days of people not knowing who Haitians are it's over right. I'm gonna wear my Haitian flag mm-hmm. and we're gonna set a new era but it's so funny because. Even before that, even when I talked to some Haitians, they was like, man, that was brave of you because it wasn't really cool. We was more acting like we were Jamaicans, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, right. So now every click is protected by a zoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing I want to talk about, too, is live at Daryl's house. Uh-huh. Like, you know, we're the we're the biggest Hall & Oates fans ever. Likewise. And, and what is it like to go to his house and just jam I mean, it's surreal, you know what I mean? Like I said, like, for me, like, you know, the small time I spent in college, like, you know, I've had, like, campus bands, you know what I'm saying to you? So, like, just being, like, deep into the culture, like, Hall & Oates was one of them bands, like, I studied because they had so much soul in their music, and I was like, yo, how's this dude playing the keys? He sounded like Stevie Wonder with these chords, you know, and their harmonies mm-hmm. oh my God. was crazy. So, um, so Dara, I gave him a... I had an idea, and we're still recording it for Carnival 3. It's not finished yet. So I had an idea, Pusher T. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me, and I was like, well, what happens if, you know, I was like, Daryl's alive, so we're going to find the legend. Right. And we're going to rock with him. So, yo, dude, going over there and seeing the guy real time, it was like watching an alien because it's <laughs> almost like what he's doing on the keys, and he opens up his voice, and dude sounds the same. And um, it was an incredible experience for me. Because those are the people, like, because I'm so, like, ahead of my time, bro. Like, I'm just, like, way, like, I, when someone's thinking of now. I mean, I walk around with my guitars, you can see. Yeah. I think, like, I'm from the 60s or something. I was just recreated well, or that's something. That's behind time. Right? Yeah. I'm behind time. I'm, like, so back, back. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, like, so, like, old into that, that, that spirit. So mm-hmm. when them guys see me, whether if it's um, him, whether if it's... Um, uh, there's another one that I hadn't gone to November. Um, Bob Dylan. Mm. 
Oh, oh, right, Bob yeah, Dylan. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So whether if it's like Dylan or getting a chance to jam with Prince in his when he has the 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 place in California when he did that, mm-hmm. or spending time with Michael Jackson in the studio, it bugs me out because it's almost like you got to pinch yourself, literally. Right. Yeah. Because I'm like, yo, this is like my, you guys, y'all the soundtrack to my life. I was just gushing out there the over Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh my god. And I was like, yo, Tony, 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 y'all understand, man. It never rained. I said I couldn't even speak English, but I still was like, "It never rained in Southern California." They tell me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Tony, 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 Haitian too. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're like the king of the weird collab. Like, like you like really go outside the box, and you're like, you'll pull in the rock, the rock. Yo, dude, this is where it comes from, right? Talk about ahead of your time, by the way. Yeah, shout out to the rock, my man. Um, so this is where it comes from. I'm from the church, right? So, like the movie The Five Heartbeats, I'm mm-hmm. choir boy. Mm-hmm. So, I'm most, so every Sunday in my daddy's church, I had to pick the tenor that I was gonna sing and I had to put all the songs together. So, now when the hymn book didn't have no song, my daddy looked at me and was like, Well, you make up a song then. <laughs> so, for me, from the level of a composer, like I was into like Bach and I was into Gershwin and mm-hmm. I was into Quincy Jones. So, I always believed that, you know, a body of work. Should the, what makes it more interesting is what people are not expecting, right? So when I'm watching wrestling at the time, I was a fan of The Rock. And I love the phrase, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was like, yo, I'm going to do it kind of with The Rock. Really, Cliff? Here you go again. What was you smoking today? <laughs> uh, what were you smoking? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then it's like I get with The Rock and we does this amazing, you know, video. And for me, it's sort of like. You know, the fans be having this love and hate relationship with me because it'd be like, which Wyclef are we going to get today? You know, <laughs> are we going to get the spitter? Are we going to get the weirdo? Are we going to get, you know what I'm saying? To you? But that's what keeps my life interesting. Yeah. Right? Well, here's another Haitian thing. Uh, was your mother into wrestling? My grandmother. So, oh, yeah. so wrestling is deep. Like, don't know if, look, you could say whatever you want about me on Twitter. Say whatever you want. You know what I'm saying to you? And you know I don't take it offended. I don't take offense to it. You know what I'm saying to you? And I won't fight you on Twitter. I don't even beef back. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, this is my gym. Meet me here with your boxing gloves. And we're good. Mm-hmm. But if you ever diss wrestling, <laughs> lucha libre. <laughs> I will hurt you on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I will find you. I will DM you. I will come get you. <laughs> Who's you your favorite don't wrestler? Diss, you don't diss lucha libre. You know, you have... Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Mm-hmm. Snooker was deep because Snooker was doing a lot of the acrobat stuff in the beginning. So I got so deep into wrestling, I wanted to know why the hell they were putting the mask on their face. This is not, we ain't talking about wrestling now for people that's listening. Right. We're talking about Lucha Libre. Yeah, right. real like, yeah, real like Mexican so, wrestling. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So a lot of the Mexican kids, dude, they wore the mask. Because they didn't want their parents to know what they were doing. Really? Yes. <laughs> and they was doing... So they went to wrestle, get their little money, mm-hmm. go back to do whatever they was doing. <laughs> so then I even found that culture even more fascinating. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? As a Haitian, I wanted to throw on a mask and go out there. Well, you know? were you in the basement, like, like getting your cousins and just, like, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing well, the people's elbow. <laughs> yeah. Well, we very, very big... I'm very, very big into martial arts. Uh, the whole thing, though. Like, I was into, like, the Gracie's. Like Hoyce Gracie, the entire Gracie family before the whole UFC thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, these are the original mixed martial arts. So, I'm very into it. 
and I love to 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 fight. Um, it's one of my fortes, but for fun, you feel I mean, me? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's ill, like you know, like to like jab at you guys. So one day we we all should go to the gym <laughs> and uh, just have like. Uh, have uh, you seen my arms? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what's gonna make it fun. We're yeah, gonna yeah. do like some right. cool shit. Yeah, we could do some like cool. You know what? Martial arts takes you to a very deep place, like Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different. Just the level of like chi. What you can actually accomplish with your human body, bro. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll be surprised. You're I mean, speaking to us specifically, you're saying that we have it in with within. Oh us. yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. got it within you. I know some people are saying, man. Freak all that lucha libre. <laughs> if I'm trying to get in shape, man, all I got to do is read the Kama Sutra and practice the positions. You know what I mean? So that that works, too. <laughs> uh, how about another random, seemingly random collaboration, which was Kenny Rogers? That was bugged out. Yeah. So the dub plate. Yeah. So, of course, you guys know about battle rap culture. So you're very in tune. So the dub plate is another form of culture. Mm-hmm. So it's all about who could collect the, the dub plate. So... I got my first Stone Love tape. And for those who are like, well, what's Stone Love? It's a sound system like Major Laser. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and so one day, man, you know, in my older days, I was like, okay, I got a sound clash in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, I'm going to call Kenny Rogers. <laughs> I need a dub play from Kenny Rogers because every West Indian people that's listening to this understands the importance of wrestling. The importance of country music. This mm-hmm. is not a weird thing for the island. Like when we, when I say, yo, I know more country music than people in Nashville, people trip out. I'm like, that's just one of the things in the islands. So, um, and then, you know, in Jamaica, people, you know, them dudes love to be bad man, gunslinger, me man, seeing original man. So, yo, <laughs> so the man, they come upon high noon, seeing. So when the man approach you upon high noon and say, eh, so you're ready to war with me? All right, man, before we are war, we are play a song. Yeah, you know, what, what you want here? Yo, man, play some blood clot, Kenny Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay, play the gambler before they shoot it out. So Wait, were people dressing up like uh, like country western down in uh in in the islands? Dude, the gunslinging culture mm-hmm. is a heavy Caribbean culture. I think a lot of it, and when I tell you that, because when we talk about the islands, it's the islands, right? Mm-hmm. Haiti, Cuba, Santo Domingo, Puerto Rico. I think sometimes they try to be like, oh, Jamaica. No, it's the same thing. It's like, it's the gun culture thing is just something. You know what I mean? Now, when you're sitting in the hood, right? Mm-hmm. Your daddy got one TV mm-hmm. with a hanger in it. Mm-hmm. And now he, you only watching what he wants you to watch. Right. So for us, it was either the Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was the Westerns. You see what I'm saying to you? So the Westerns, you got like, um, everyone talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. But if you want to really check out a crazy Western, it's called Mr. Nobody. Mm. You ever heard of that? Mm-mm. Man, I think it's Mr. an Akon no- song. Yeah. <laughs> yo, 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 Mr. Nobody was so gangster that they, they shot one of his arms off, right? And then he went back and built his arm and, and, and made a gun out of his arm. So now he cheating at high noon. All he do is pull his arm out. <laughs> I like how you're just uh, juxtaposing that with the Muppets. Like those are the two things you're gonna watch. Yeah. Big Bird gets his arm blown off. Big Bird. <laughs> um, so wait, so back to uh, how did you get in touch with Kenny Rogers? So I call up Kenny, and um, I'm like, Kenny, um, what's up? And as strange as people try to make it seem, we're just musicians, right? I got a guitar here. Kenny has a guitar. We sing. So I'm like, Kenny, I need you to do something for me, man. You know, um, the gambler. I need you to sing it. 
but I need you to kill people on this song. And um, Kenny Rogers is so gangster. <laughs> he didn't even question who I wanted him to kill. He didn't even want to know the theory of the killing. Right. He didn't. He understood it was musically killing. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I sent him the words, you know what I mean? You got new when to hold them, no when to fold them, no when to walk away, no when to run. You got to, you know, and um, and he did it right away. I mean, the quickest verses I got back were from Kenny Rogers and Lil Wayne. Those were probably the quickest returns. That's awesome. Like, Which is how fast? Really, like in an hour. Wow. Like Lil <laughs> Wayne verse for Sweetest Girl. Yeah. Literally, I sent him. And I got it back in an hour. Kenny Rogers, I had the conversation. I sent it. I still haven't gotten my Willie Nelson dub plate yet, though. Yo, Willie. Willie's slacking. Yeah. <laughs> Willie's, you got, Willie probably high somewhere right now. Did, uh, yes, yeah. probably. <laughs> did um, did Kenny Rogers know what a duck it was? He knew what a dub plate was because I broke it down to him. He understood it. You see what I'm saying to you? Mm. And if I, if I wanted Kenny Rogers to be like, tell a motherfucker that he would say it. Because he understood that it was in the arena mm-hmm. of one DJ versus another DJ. Just like like you watch Nashville. One country star versus yes. another. So they get it with the theory. Yeah. How did you get the Whitney Houston dub plate? Same way. So the dub plate thing is a hobby of mine. Mm-hmm. So I just love to collect hmm. people singing the songs that I... A lot of the songs that I write, I like to get them in dub plate form. Then as a fan, I love to get stuff that no one else can get mm-hmm. so um so with whitney she was so charming i was like whitney i need you to do this and um at the time dennis brown died mm-hmm. she didn't know who dennis brown was and she i was like yo whitney say dennis brown rest in peace she was like i'll say rest in peace but i don't know who dennis brown is Cliff. you know that right? <laughs> so she was like dennis brown and i was like okay do this part be like mun like white clef mun like you know and she's just doing it and laughing mm. and um and then she basically cut it for me um i just walked it through it and um everyone enjoyed doing the dub plays because for them it was just something weird and fun like they yeah. didn't know you know i even got kenny g i got dub plays from kenny g like how do you have a like he doesn't sing <laughs> i had kenny g on some patwa <laughs> i will i will send you kenny g and you will trip out He's going, hey, this is Kenny G. This is the Jewish version of the refugee camp. <laughs> Sound boy, killer boy. I'm straight up. And then he goes into. <laughs> Do you realize if you were an Oxcore DJ today and you had those dub plates, how much you would like kill any party you went to with just dropping those in there? Yeah, you know, so I got. So one of the things that I want to do is. So I love DJing as a soundboard. So mm-hmm. the same way you see Major Laser in Amar, that's what I am. So I've been, I've had the, my refugee sound has always been around. Mm-hmm. Even when I did the score, that's like I'm thinking like dub plate. Right. Killing me softly yep. was done originally in a dub plate form. Mm-hmm. And then when we send it the, to the publishers, because I ain't know nothing. <laughs> yeah. They they was like, listen, it's either you sing it regular or you don't do the song. Or y'all don't do this song. There'll be no talking about killing and gushing people on this. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? We don't got time to explain this to the publishers. Let's just do it regularly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things I definitely want to do is um, make sure that the sound part of the, the refugee sound system of my life, mm-hmm. like that part of it, putting out music that's in an eclectic form that people wouldn't know. Just... Eclectic sound, form, really. Sound, sound, yeah. SoundCloud vibes, you yeah. know what yeah. I mean? So we look forward to that. What's the difference between um, getting Killing Me Softly cleared and then getting uh, working with the Bee Gees to get um, 
yeah. Staying alive. Staying alive, clearly. Yeah. Well, the staying alive, it was a little easier because um, with the whole Roberta Flack thing, we was coming from a point of view of killing this sound boy with this sound. They didn't get it. Mm. With the Bee Gees, I mean, the minute they heard it, they just got it. They just mm. thought it was a cool twist of their record, you know, staying alive. Yeah. So usually, like, when I take these covers, I have to be a fan first of the record, of the movie, of the story, because I want to paint this picture. So with the Bee Gees one, Staying Alive, if you've seen it, we took it all the way, like, even all the way down to the John Travolta video. Like, yeah. we yeah. took it all the way, and, and that's what was cool about it. So going back to Jersey, what was growing up in, in Jersey like in middle school, high school for... For a Haitian refugee. I mean, it was no joke. I mean, I lived in South Orange Avenue. And at the time, you know, it was a lot of stealing cars. Basically, when my daddy decided he's going to put the church 1108 South Orange, that was the hub of the car theft. You know, like you could hear my dad preaching. And the Lord is coming. <laughs> Outside. And literally, my dad was gangster, man. He would look at us and go, go get the car. <laughs> go get the car and we gotta literally go to the hood now mm -hmm. and i gotta get the car how old were you i was like 16 yeah and then when i go get the car mm -hmm. what are you bringing you, with you you're gonna give me the car yeah i go with two of my cousins mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying i come Did in you guys peace have first like a, a wrench <laughs> no not at all because watching the cowboy movies mm -hmm. the first thing about the cowboy movies you young guys have to learn the spurs the art of negotiation mm -hmm. <laughs> the spurs, I so we go in peace first you yeah. feel me so i i go to give you the gospel mm -hmm. now i'm telling mo you know moses is telling pharaoh yeah let my people go now you give me the cars back <laughs> Because if you don't do that and I come back with the raft, yeah. you ain't going to, you know, so nine times out of 10, nine times out of 10, we got the cars back in a peaceful fashion. Um, <laughs> but 10 that 10% yeah. of that, 10 of that, those that know me, I mean, it's even in my book, um, Purpose, you know, you know, one time I'm in the hood and I'm looking outside the window and I, my brother goes to the Chinese store. And inside of this Chinese store, two big dudes is outside. And when he's walking in, I hear they, they have I see they're having a conversation with him. And they just slapped him up. So I'm waiting for my brother to slap them back. And um his name is Sadek. And he just comes back to the house. So I'm like, Deck, what happened? He's like, yo, I have to slap him. I know that you here. So I just need you to go get me my respect back, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? You could just, you know? And the kids are bigger than him. And of course, once again, as a Haitian living in America, young refugee, um, by the time I looked out by the Chinese store, it was like five or six of them. So I was like, okay, I have to come up with a strategy. True story. I got one of my mama's old minks. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like when you're in the hood, sometimes your mama thinks she rich, she want to be on the come up. So all this mink looking like squirrels you know what i mean so yeah. she had a i kid you not it was like a line of it wasn't real squirrels people but it was a line of oh. squirrels that was like a scarf yeah mm -hmm. right you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. yeah it was weird it was like seven squirrels connected yeah. to a scarf yeah so i got that mm -hmm. i went and i got my daddy's machete and then i went and got salt 
and I put a bunch of salt in my pocket, right? Because I got a plan. I got a scheme. I got to go with antics. This is some hell of a scheme. I know. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not going to let it's six dudes. I got to figure out how I'm going to strategize them and psych them to get the one I want. This is like a me? martial arts movie right here. You feel here? me? Yeah. yeah. So I show up in front of the Chinese store, and I'm like, yo, I already knew the one that, that, that got my brother. Mm -hmm. I was like, yo, man. Why you slap my brother? But the one I said that to, I was talking to another one so I could fake that one out, the one that I want to grab. <laughs> so then now all the other ones are going to be off their guard. Right. And they're not going to protect the one that I want. So my brother's standing in front of him. So now the minute I see them coming, I just go in my pocket, whoosh. These dudes see the salt flying through the air. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's seven squirrels coming from the air. <laughs> Some David Blaine shit. You feel me? And then they just hear me. Oh, I'll manger, no, I'll manger, no, I'll manger, no. They say, take all them Haitians with that voodoo shit, bro, <laughs> nigga. <laughs> so, dudes start taking off, but the one I want, I grabbed them. Oh, my God. Jesus. I grabbed them. And I took them and I put them in the headlock. And here I am in the middle of South Orange Avenue now with a machete in my mm -hmm, hand. Mm -hmm. And I got him in the lock choker and I'm walking him back to the church. And I get back to the church now and then this kid is terrified. So I let him go and I told my brother, I said, yo, get your respect back. You know what I'm saying to you? Like he slapped you, slapped him. And my brother was like, no, you know what I mean? You can't be doing that. It got to be about peace. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And I looked at my brother. I wanted to kill him. Well, I was like, do you understand? You had a machete on you. So. I could have yeah, went yeah, to yeah. jail. I could have did anything. I did all of this for you. But then later in that neighborhood, they started calling us the crazy Haitians. Well, <laughs> for good reason. You guys could have been like the squirrel guys or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was like, boys. yo, that dude was like, yo, yo, all we know. And then the myth was so funny. They was like, yo. That dude Clef, man, all we saw, yeah, white sparks and out of the air, seven squirrels showed yeah. up. So today they still tell that tale to like little kids coming up. I come around the block, they be like, oh, they go to Voodoo, yeah. man. <laughs> all they see on your music videos is just like salt and squirrels. Salt. Okay. Yeah. So, so when do you really like figure out, all right, music isn't just going to be a hobby. This is going to be like my way of life and my way out of here. Man, you know, it started for me. In high school. So in high school, I was like 15, just searching for it. And a gym teacher by the name of Wayne Slappy, who was working on a movie called Lean On Me, mm -hmm. he was like, you know what? Um, you have a gift. And I'm going to bring you to New York because there's a program in New York that I think NBC at the time, no, CBS, which was a record company, was doing. We're going to put you part of this program. So he brought me on a summer internship program. And with this summer internship program, it was me, my other boy, Rob. And then we created this group. It was like, yo, if I show y'all, and I got to find these pictures. The original band I come from is literally was like five guys. It was called Exact Change. Mm -hmm. And I always credit us as the first boy rap band ever. <laughs> we just was not known. Right. And so our first demo was done by Curtis Blow. Whoa. Wow. So we Curtis Blow... Shout out to Curtis Blow. Yeah. He did the demo, and I was in awe. After Curtis Blow... Um, did you, you know, see him do the production and everything? Oh, yeah, yeah. Curtis is oh the man. God. I mean, till today, Curtis still has... The record we did was called Rap Translator because I had a gift I can rap in multiple languages. Right. So what happened was, at the time, they was like, look, man, <laughs> this is a great idea, 
But what we're going to do is we're going cre- to get three more guys. We're going to get one that look Hispanic, that is Hispanic, and he you're going to teach him that Spanish thing you did. We're going to do that. You know, we're going to get one brother. He's going to be Asian, black. You're going to teach him that Chinese stuff you be doing. So they, they, they put this scheme around us. You know what I'm saying? And then I, you know, then I felt like, well, as Superman, I felt like, damn, this is kryptonite. All my power has left me. <laughs> I have to give this material to other people and stand there. So, so you go there. And then so I was like, man, this exact change thing not working no more. So then um, when I was 17 years old, my whole life changed. Because I got, I was part of the jazz band, and so if I came from Haiti at ten, at seventeen, I was on an airplane going to compete in Pasadena, California, wow. um, playing upright bass. Oh my god! So I learned how to play like six, seven instruments. Then I made the band, and um, and then man, at the California, my whole life changed because it was like I was like, wow, like I didn't know what I was gonna be doing. But I like the idea of being part of something. You know what I'm what saying? What were you too? playing? What were you playing? Standards like in the jazz band or like? Um, yeah. So I started learning jazz when I was 15 years old. Um, so I was playing. Um, and I have a show if you want to check it out. Carnegie Hall, Wyclef and Friends, mm-hmm. where I brought my old jazz teacher back and my oh. classical teacher, and I rewrote the the entire sheet music. Like for the orchestra, so we was doing songs like um, "You Must Take the A Train <laughs> to Go to Sugar Hill Way Up in Harlem." <laughs> I was doing that. We also was doing "Boom Boom 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 Boom." like these are like the cool standards but what i was doing was i'll never forget it similar to the movie whiplash yeah my jazz teacher was real tough and what happened was that's a uh, that's a an understatement from whiplash (laughs) yeah so but what happened was i was hearing it different Mm -hmm. like when i was listening to r blakey or like thelonious monk Mm -hmm. i was just hearing it different so what i told the jazz band when the teacher wasn't there i always remember i said at measure 32 we're gonna flip it and we're gonna do a hip-hop rhythm over a train you see so think about it though at that time these teachers are so strategic and we're going to a competition dude Man, we get to the competition, and I'm playing the upright, so I'm running the whole thing, and I look at my dudes, you know what I mean? They're like, F what the jazz teacher saying, just follow Clef. In competition? In competition. <laughs> and then we broke into the um, uh, A-Train, you know, and then we broke boom, 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 almost like a tribe vibe. Yeah. Man, <laughs> this jazz teacher literally killed me when I got <laughs> off the stage. But while he was, like, on me, I was like, listen, listen, listen. They was like, first place from Valsberg High School. Jazz man. <laughs> so it was sort of like it was a surreal moment because um like we won. Yeah. We was coming from Jersey. And it was it was deep because for the, from then I knew that I would be doing some kind of music, but I didn't know to the capacity of what it would be. I just know I said, Man, you know what? Whether if I'm teaching music or playing at a bar or at the garden, I'm going to be writing some music for some people. I didn't know where it was yet, though. Yeah. What did you think of Whiplash, by the way? Very good movie. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Because as a, a student of the culture and that has studied, first I learned just naturally how to play music and instruments and all that. Then I went to the institution. And the institution, what they was teaching me was reverse, right? Because it's like, okay, they're like, this is Dorian. This is Mixolydian. This is Ionian. This is your homework for the night. Like you go and then you go like this. And then when you 
I said, but I already know this. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, I said, okay, that's the name of it now. So it was like I learned in reverse. Mm-hmm. So everything that I knew how to do, the institution taught me the theory of it. And right. I know how anal those teachers are. You know what I mean? That's why I like Whiplash. Yeah. The Carnegie Hall show. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, you brought out Destiny's Child for that? Yeah. I was there. Oh, you was at Carnegie? Yeah, I was there, yeah. Oh, crazy, my man. Shout out to Aunt Jane for taking you. That was like uh, like 10 years ago or something like that? Yeah, big time. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. You had a good time. I had a great time. Yeah. You didn't know who I was going to bring out when I was going to bring him out. No, I did not. Yeah, Yeah. wait, that was a crazy show. Um, It was uh, uh, Destiny's Child. Um, Who else did you bring out? I had Stevie Wonder. Yep. I that's, had, that's um, a big one. Yeah. I had uh, Eric Clapton. Yeah, I that's had a good one. Charlotte Church. I had uh, Mark Anthony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was <laughs> Naomi Campbell in the crowd. So that that the, that show mm-hmm. was me taking it back to my high school days. That was the whole concept. I was like, I said, I want to do something because they was taking music from the schools. And I was like, yo, we can do something to show how important the programs in the schools are. If you notice that my band was a kid band. Mm -hmm. Remember, it was all kids playing and then we had the adults around the kids. But these kids were like 14 monsters. Remember the drummer and all of that. So all of that was a tribute to my high school. Mm. Also, this was like way more than 10 years ago. When was this? This was... (laughs) This was like 10, 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you were there. I was there, I promise. And Shane was Um, there too. No, you definitely was there if you said Destiny Child. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wait, uh, what was... uh, What was? First of all, like that must have been... Beyonce and and all of their first time at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, of right. Course. So like, what was it like for them? Like, what was it like for you to bring them um, there? Well, for me, I've always been like a culture bunny. So like, with Destiny Child, the after I did the Carnival, I was brought in to do a record for them mm-hmm. called No 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 because yep. it was trying mm, to get two. them a chart position, yeah. right? So and it worked. By yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah. But so much more after that, we went on tour. And all I can say is Beyonce is like a culture bunny. Like, she's always just, like, I'm performing. She's studying me and watching how I'm rocking the crowd, you know? So a lot of times, so for me, Carnegie Hall was going to be a big thing. And for me, I just wanted those artists that was there, even if they look back, like, 30 years when they, like, become super big or whatever, Mm. that's one event that they'd be like, this was a great one because that hall is so prestigious and so legendary. And you know, rappers, like we, a rapper be like, yo, I'm going, you know what I'm saying? I think it was probably me, maybe Latifah and Mm Jay-Z. The only people that really, you know what I mean? And I played there before Jay, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Who were you most excited to bring out there? That night? Yeah. Man. Because you you named some like very big names. The the most classic moment was Stevie Wonder was late. Mm-hmm. And he was supposed to be on this song because um, I had Third World. Remember Third World? Was yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now that we found love, yeah. what are we going to do? And I'm like, Stevie's like, okay, I'm around the corner. I'm boom, You know what I mean? So I'm looking real cool, like jamming. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm getting my notes. And dude's like, yo, Stevie's in the back. So if you when you watch the tape and I go to Third World, I say, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm going to go get somebody. So literally, I walk and then it's freaking stevie wonder with the harmonica yeah. already plugged up ready <laughs> oh man priceless moment can you talk about what the what life was like when when the fujis really broke yeah i mean it, it, it was a huge change it's sort of like it's the dreamer you know what i mean like you work hard and it didn't happen overnight you go through like labels saying it's weird you know 
why is he holding a guitar and rapping at the same time? So they didn't get it. Which ghetto is he from? That No, because at the time, you got to understand, the, the side of hip-hop that was working, it was safe. Mm-hmm. Everybody was safe. It was like the idea of like, this guy's going to do what? He's going to play Barb Marley and then rap? Oh, she's going to sing uh, John Lennon and then spit? Like, wh- which part of the hood? So then they started giving it weird names. They was like, oh, maybe they're not hip-hop. Maybe they're alternative. Until they heard us on the radio, mm-hmm. and then we'd be like, "Yo, throw on a beat. We're gonna do what we do." And then it was like, "Oh, well, who is the A and R who signed you in the first place?" Well, we were signed to a production company first called La Jam, mm-hmm. and I always credit the Fuji's true being the Fuji's to mm-hmm. Khalees Bayon. Khalees is Ronald Bell. He's the one that got cool in the gang popping jungle boogie and all of that stuff he's the first person we were signed to when we was in the studio with him i was in church they brought me in the studio and he heard the fujis was four people two guys and two girls Mm -hmm. he was like yo there's a frequency going on here and then so he was like the first person you know what i mean and after that we had a product manager and the first album was called blunted on reality Mm -hmm. was a very dark hard album um, after that, Salam Remy, mm-hmm. um, who did the remix to to Nappy Heads. Salam was like a mentor of mine because, you know, we were similar age. And it was like, yo, it was dope to see a kid doing it. And he already had records on the charts. Yeah. And then so me and him, we had a one on one before the Fuji's because he was like, yo, I heard you. I heard you. You a scientist like me. So we had a whole crazy talk. Then I bought the Fuji's. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Nappy Heads, which was incredible. We recorded it. And flew back to Europe. Was opening up for Das Effects. Oh. <laughs> so uh, here we are at a Das Effects. Bums, give me the bums, yeah, give me the yeah. bum hunt. I got the door. The rap a And um, <clears throat> we like yo, and we're the Fujis, and we're opening up for Das Effects. Can you imagine this underground place? And um, and then I show up, dong, 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 dong. You know, mm-hmm. and the kids start to vibe. You know, and even Das Effects, they look surprised. Because they didn't even see what was going on. It just looked like, what's going on here? Because we're Das Effects and we're Bum Skibbity Bum Hunt. And these kids don't have a record out yet, but they're just playing music and the crowd is just going with it. Like, what yeah, are we missing right. here? You know? They thought the crowd wanted effects. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, they did. But <laughs> what happens is the crowd wanted more than effects. Mm-hmm. And if you give them music, they're going to accept the music. And the thing is, I think that day they, they started to notice, holy crap. Yeah, like this like, wave is thing, like starting to pass. We, yeah, because my thing was like, we wanted to be a hip hop band. Like, right. we was like, we was like, yo, I'm not, we, we gotta play instruments. Like, I was like, we, we have to be different. The only thing that's gonna separate us when we show up, people like, they're really singing, mm-hmm. they're really playing, they're so versatile. So, we, we had that in our head. So, by the time the score blew up, we was like in, in England mm. and we was touring, we was moving around. And by the time you call six of your friends, you know what I'm saying to you, it's really off the TV by then, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and that reality struck. Because, like, within that year, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy because you're, like, 20-something, and then you have more money than, like, people will have in an entire, like, four lifetimes, you know? I mean, and, in an island that you came from. Yeah. 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 And then um, and then when people was talking about, like, they be on jets and all of that, right? Mm. Yo, we was, like, flying the Concorde. <laughs> so it wasn't even, it was, like, a... It was like some spaceship, like, you know what I mean? That literally take you from New York 
to France in like three hours, like defining the the yeah the, yeah. So the, for me, that was the coolest thing I loved about the Fujis. The music was great, yeah. But every <laughs> but the time we were better, like, <laughs> you know what I mean. You know how artists be like, oh, I don't want to go on a plane. Like, yo, yeah. we on a Concorde, let's go. Did you visit the pilot? Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yo, that you got plane, your wings. Yo, yo, that plane is so small, bro. How small is it, man? That plane is so small, I couldn't even see my face, man. <laughs> Now that plane is small. Wait, you were in Europe and and you guys broke and then you came back to America and we're just like, oh, big time. Yeah, big time. That's you know crazy. What I mean? Yeah, because we broke in Europe and then in America we ain't breaking the East Coast first, no matter what anybody said. <laughs> That's what we I've been broke, saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we broke in the West Coast. <laughs> really? Like when everybody was listening to Tribe and all of that, we love Tribe and all of that. Mm -hmm. Lauren was listening to Tribe and all that. Me. I was listening to hieroglyphics. Mm -hmm. I was completely in in Oakland. Mm -hmm. I liked the military of Oakland. I liked the whole movement of what Oakland was doing, and I identified with them dudes. That's why some of the score when you hearing like me going, "We used to be number ten, yeah. now yeah. we permanent at one." And a, like if you listen to the hieroglyphics, like a lot of their movement, they had like these albums that were moody. You know, you, you're under like seven blunts a day mm -hmm. right. to add to what was going on. You know in reality. Right, right. So yeah. you're like zoning into this thing. So by the time we get to New York, it was crazy. I remember one night, Salam was like, Funk Master Flex is going to play the record, right? So we're listening, we're listening. <laughs> Flex keeps playing the instrumental, the instrumental, yeah. dropping, in, you know, how he breaks the record. Pull and over. out of nowhere, he's like, yo, Mona Lisa, can I get, man, the minute I heard that, I ran to the phone. Yo, we on hot. <laughs> man, by the time I got back to the radio, the song was off. Oh, that had to be the biggest thing ever. Biggest thing ever, man. Uh, and what was your inspiration when you made the carnival, the first one? The carnival was just, after the score, I was someone who was very reluctant with commercialism if that makes sense not the sense of selling out but i was watching a pattern after bands sell 18 million and the audience is like and it's not even the audience it's a trick it'd be more the record company that's like yo we want another you know what i mean mm -hmm. so while i was doing the score i was like yo i'm gonna build a piece of painting and it's gonna be like basquiat and I'm going to do something and put all the countries together. So I wanted to create, at the time, I was like, yo, I want to create shuffle eclectic music, you know, and call it like eclectic music where, because I'm a kid that grew up with the outfielders. Sure. Then I grew up with Mob Deep, mm -hmm. you know. Then I grew up with Petra, the rock band. Then I got the police synchronicity. Mm -hmm. So in my brain, I didn't see it divided. I was like, yo, I'm going to create a jukebox. Mm -hmm. And uh, this jukebox, I'm going to take them on that journey. And um, and that journey is what we have in Brooklyn. You know, the West Indian Day Parade. Every every year you yeah. can see that. So we wanted to bring that journey. And at the time it was challenging, like I said. Where I was at, they wasn't playing um, Spanish music like on commercial radio. You know, like I, w I used to move with like Evie Queen. And um, so by the time I bought Celia Cruz, and it was like, we're going to do this song. Not only similar to Daryl Hall, mm -hmm. I brought her into the session. The real person had her sing the song put her in the video and so for me once again like when i do these things like i i don't just think audio i think visual i think like long rides like mm -hmm. when you're taking that long trip if i could take you somewhere you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. that's how that happened but in terms of like reaching out to these people 
like how, how much were you having to sell yourself and be like hey like so i'm wyclef and i did this and blah 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 or is it them being like like how do you get these people on your records at that point well what happened is i really didn't have to say anything because the industry would talk right so mm-hmm. quincy jones he'd tell you who i am <laughs> so I, I don't have to talk so if quincy's like yo that's the kid mm-hmm. you know you know so you're getting different endorsements from the it people right, right. Mm-hmm. so the once the it people give you that marker stamp then automatically um when you just call you know what i'm saying to you it's like oh i'm there where are we doing because they just think that you're gonna do something totally different than what they used to and that's sort of like what happened yeah. do you ever think there was a point in your career when you when you started to believe the hype yourself and like bought into everything that people were saying well i mean the thing is i know i'm not ordinary like i mean i left haiti when i was 10 years old um i learned how to play by now probably like 14 different instruments by the time i was 17 at 14 i already was playing chords like Thelonious monk it all came from my brain so i know that everyone has a talent lebron has a talent i know that music is my thing like i know it ticks me you know what i'm saying to you so i already knew like who i was so if you already know who you are you don't ever have to like sell yourself if that makes sense it's more like i was i was smiling at the critics because they was like yo this dude gonna burn out you know, he's like a Kevin Hart. He's on everybody's stuff. He's on a thousand movies. And Kevin mm-hmm. Hart's just going like, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> That's The Rock. For, yeah, yeah, the rock. yeah. So for me, so for me, oh, yeah, that's a new record, Kevin Hart and The Rock. It does matter. Um, <laughs> but for me, that's really, really where it's at. Um, and I've never, you know, people could be like, yo, there's an ego. Like, because they'd be like, yo, every artist has an ego. If an artist tells you don't have an ego, I'm nice. Right, mm-hmm. just like you, nice. But when well, we no, go, we're friendly. Yeah, you're friendly. I'm nice. When I go on the court, if you play basketball and you go on the court, mm-hmm. everything is cool. But once you get on the court, don't talk to me about your last year ring and how you did. Nah, this championship going on right now. Right. The fans are tuned in at the stands. Right, and that is the most thing that rushes the most about the music industry that i love most when you when you decide that you're going to be in that commercial space if that yeah wait can we just talk about uh because we i feel like i keep bringing up like weird moments for you like you showed up at the um the beastie boys had a a live in tibet concert right Mm -hmm. oh in san francisco yeah yeah Uh, and you came out of that um tell me about uh your your time with the beastie boys i mean that was incredible once again the fuji's was a group that didn't really talk about social activism there was just about it and the beastie boys was about it like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like you know they needed to say it was like it's the beastie boys everyone's fans that we got that part out the way but the cause of what they stand for we all gonna show up and then it's it's because of people like the beastie boys that would make me like be like you know what I could be president of Haiti. Mm-hmm. You know, I can help the people in this country. I can help Africa. I have, you know, like the Beastie Boys and Bono, they gave you that range and be like, it has to be more than music. Mm-hmm. And that's what we learned about them. That's why we could still be having this conversation because the relevancy has to be more than music. Because if you're doing music so long, okay, well, what makes it exciting? Right. The relevancy of everything else that's going around and what you stand for. And that that was the connection with the Beastie Boys. Since this has been like a whole bunch of like random like uh, notes throughout your career, can you talk about when you worked with Jin the MC? Because we had him up here. 
um, <laughs> Rough Riders, and yeah. uh, and you were on the first single that he that he put out. Yeah, what was that like? With I mean, look, he's a he's that he was he was, he was a award winning battle rapper. Yeah, um, and you get to come in and and what was your thinking in terms of like breaking someone like that into the the major scene? I think like if they took a little more time on his project, it would he would have been like an Eminem because he can write oh my god concepts like you know what i mean but to me it's so different like the way the fujis were different like because we was it was like we the first haitians to ever become successful on the magnitude that we in it didn't exist before us so for me i was so excited with jen because he was coming from the battle rap culture which i'm obsessed with yeah and i followed him you know Sirius Jones like watching their battles you know what I mean and having good days sometime having bad days that's what battles is about right and then him focus on the album so for me I just felt like if he had more time if they really because it was a it's a lot going on in in the Rough Riders but I think like because it was a bunch of different artists Mm. but I really think like if they took time a little more time and say okay you know what we're going to take three years on you mm-hmm. and we're going to just let you do you, but we're going to build your project because he was like, to me, like he was like, uh, you know, like, and I could say that because I used to manage cannabis. Mm-hmm. Right. I know one time how crazy cannabis was, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to you? He wore silver paint. <laughs> yes. And I knew how, how Eminem is, how brilliant he was. Mm-hmm. There was just these kind of MCs that had this brilliancy. And, um, Jen had that same, thing mm. with him did he teach you uh, chinese yeah i mean niho ma <laughs> that's my man during that whole cannabis ll time was it was the thought in your head like yeah we're going after one of the biggest most important rappers period well you know cannabis had approached me on that and um and he was like you know ll had dissed him mm-hmm. on his verse and he was like people told him you know like i'm a like a tough guy undercover that is not really scared of nothing so if he bought this to me i would find a way to fix it <laughs> so you bring the machete and yeah i was like yo to your point i was like yo ll cool j is the biggest rapper in the world right ladies and love I, him yeah <laughs> i said we don't want to get caught up in a net dude where Cause I say, you know, I'm gone to November. The girls yeah. is with me right now. Yeah. I gotta be real careful how we do this. Cause I am not getting distracted. I am not gonna get Jaru distracted. Yeah, right, yeah. Fifty, yeah, like yeah. where there's all these pretty women mm-hmm. screaming my name, and then I decide that I'm gonna be like, "F you! What you talking about, dude?" And then the the, the sexy girls run with the other rapper. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, "Yo, we gotta be smart." And um and then I told him I was like you sure you want to do this and that's my man I love cannabis till today mm-hmm. he was like yeah so came up with the scheme got Mike Tyson mm-hmm. we did second round knockout and the the record exploded then uh, LL got mad <laughs> he did a record called me the Bar Marley Imposter <laughs> then I came back <laughs> and I did a record called What's Clef Got to Do with It yeah mm-hmm. yeah to protect the chessboard i had naomi campbell diss him at the end of the record because <laughs> mm-hmm. i didn't want to lose my female but <laughs> once again to say that we all look up to ll mm-hmm. ll is one of the greatest rappers and at the end of the day we go through you know battle rap it's healthy it's a phase we all go through it you know what i mean um but once again um 
at the end of the day, I thought that that was a very exciting time. Like New York loved it. It was incredible. Um, LL got mad. <laughs> um, but once again, like I'm a big LL Cool J fan. So would you th- play four three two one in your DJ set? Of course okay. I would. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially DMX's voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there any thought of uh, ever getting cannabis to do a song for the ladies? Well, once again, I think that cannabis, um, and I'll say this again because I've watched them in the studio, I think he's the blueprint to a lot of the battle rap, you know? Um, also, Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's just some You kids. mean breaking out of the blueprint? I mean, the, uh, the, the yeah, battle, battle rap Yeah, battle rap mm-hmm. into song. Yeah. But they have a gift with words. like So whether if they can make albums, or it, they... They're rare kids, you know what I'm saying to you? So um, cannabis just has a certain audience he appealed. Like I said, he could appeal to the female audiences. No, but just once again, everyone has their niche. Mm-hmm. Like cannabis was that kid that he you threw on and you turned up your speaker. You just wanted to hear every word he was saying because you knew every two bar right. was a metaphor that you wasn't thinking of. So every rapper has their different style. So you got LL, Ladies Love, Cool J. You know what I'm saying to you? You got Wyclef, the island coconut man. So this is what makes hip-hop. I heard that he was the Bob Marley impersonator. <laughs> exactly. So this is what makes hip-hop dope. You know yeah. what I mean? All the all of these different people. Well, yeah. what did you think and how did you first find out that Young Thug had a song based off of your name? Well, I got the call from Leor. Leor yeah. Cohen. So mm-hmm. Leor. And that crew. We were, yeah, we were actually in the room when that call was uh, being organized. Well, with Leo yeah. and him, yeah. yeah. So Leo was trying, you know, and he was, I just remember Leo like, Clef, man, you know, this kid loves you. No, man. you, you got to do the impression. Do the actor. You got to do the voice. Well, he loves you, loves you. He'll know how to place you. He'll know how to, that's all he kept telling me. He'll know how to <laughs> place you. And then I got it because I was like, I knew how to place Santana. Yeah. Like, so every generation, Every generation, you need a boost, right? A reinvention always need a boost, right? Mm-hmm. I always say, look, man. I said, whenever it's time for me to come back, I'm going to come back. Mm-hmm. I said, look, I'm a Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. I'm in the garage. You see what I'm saying to you? I might not have no gas, a little oil, but all you do is pull me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> throw that little oil in there and throw a little gas and you can start driving. <laughs> see, so I feel when, like you're more like a motorcycle. You, you feel me? <laughs> so once Thugger said... <laughs> Wyclef John, you know, so yeah. I get to Atlanta and he's like, look, bloody, my shirt, <laughs> Haiti, my daughter named Haiti, <laughs> my project's named Haiti, we even got a Haiti handshake, man, I love Haiti, I wish I was from Haiti, man. <laughs> was there any part of you that was like, what? <laughs> so, that was so incredible, you know, that's my little bloody, but once again, you can't even make this stuff up, right? Because to inspire generations, every generation get inspired by generation. Mm-hmm. So when we went and he was like, man, you know, I just learned how to do trap music. Let me show you why you inspire me. He started playing me all these acoustic records with 808s, these incredible hooks and all of that. And um, once again, I already know how amazing he was going to be because I, lo- I listen to frequency. Mm-hmm. I'm more, because most of my songs are built off of hooks and melodies. So I'm more like, the way that this kid is patronizing his melodies is not ordinary. And um, so we got in and we definitely caught a vibe. And he had two records called Wyclef Jean. Like he was debating or he was like, yo, this sounds like you, you know? 
And he was like, I just wanted, see, it's like this, bloody, because <laughs> if I didn't see you and we never met each other and you heard that record, I just wanted you to feel the respect. You, you get what I'm saying, bloody? <laughs> so it was just, it was definitely incredible. But once again, once Thugger did that, mm -hmm. it just brought another life to Wyclef's young. Mm -hmm. It bought like a millennial life. Right. So it wasn't like that's that injection I'm talking about. It just made his audience now pay attention because that audience may not know the Fuji's like that. That audience might not make the connection with Sweetest Girl or Hips Don't Lie. They don't know. Like they can't make that connection. But they love 911, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> they love 911. So As now, they should. Now everybody goes, yo. Um, that's that Wyclef John kid, and you could see them online. Oh, who that? That's Future's cousin. Uh, who is that? Thugger's cousin or Fuji? No, that's Future's cousin. Future without the auto tune. That's Wyclef John. <laughs> you could see them. No, man, that's the kid who ran for president. No, that's the kid who was on. Now it, it just rises a whole discussion. Mm -hmm. Now, while that's going on, I'm Wyclef Sean. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> and so, you Wait, guys. Was Kanye West the, the, the song, the one that you were on? Mm hmm. Uh, was that also called Wyclef? No, that one was Kanye. Um, that originally was called um, Elton John. Right. And yeah, that was originally Elton called Elton John. Yeah. So the other Wyclef song, did you think that that also sounded like Wyclef yeah, John? Yeah. But the one that he, the one that he did, mm -hmm. the one that he said is Wyclef. Yeah. Yo, I could play that instrumental and just well all day to that hmm. like definitely it's sort of like he just caught the frequency yeah and you can't you know it's it's sort of like i'm inspired by bob so i can't really run i don't know how i'm able to do it some people are like yo you sound like you one of his children mm -hmm. and i'm like well i could just feel the frequency and there was a movie on ray charles and when when i met it was like yo you know you basically have to find your voice mm -hmm. right because it's like you could be so Donny Hathaway trench where you're like, man, I got to, you know. So it's like when you find that space of Zen. So for a kid mm. like him, of all the work that I've done for him to be like, this is what this is why I cleft. Yeah. For him to be droning that bass on a reggae at a certain tempo. Yeah. That he's letting you know that's that 911. That's that. Gone to November. That that's the wild cleft I'm looking for. You know yeah. what I'm saying? To you? Yeah. Yeah. What was the recording process like with Mary for nine one one? Um nine one one basically I had wrote the song and it was like, Man, um the only person I can hear singing that song is Mary J. Blige. Hmm. Um Did you and, know her? Um yeah. Okay. And then similar to Whitney Houston, um, Mary J came in. Oh my God. <laughs> she did three takes. Every take was perfect. Oh, my God. And, I mean, you know, when that happens, all you could do is be like, man, <laughs> um, I don't know what take I'm going to use, Mary. <laughs> and she was like, you sure it's good? I don't know. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's great. Um, that, once again, for me, as a producer and a writer, that's some of the, that puts your your your, your, your mojo on a thousand because you'd be like, yo, I just wrote for Mary. You know what I mean? Like, you feel good yeah. that she sung it and delivered it and showed up for the video. <laughs> yeah, no, really. So you had a reference track for her too. You're like, yeah. where you sang it, and she... I had one of my singers. Yeah. So mostly when I produce, I write the song. Um, when it goes out to the artist, um, they can hear the female part, right? I have mm -hmm. a female do the part. Um, that was that was the case with Mary. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes, like hips don't lie. Mm -hmm. When I send it to Shakira, 
I had did it two years prior for a movie called Havana Nights. But when I sent it to Shakira, and I was like, this is the part, this is how you got to do it. I did it so she could sing the whole song. She was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Your voice, stay in this song. I just add, I just sing too, but you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so, I mean, Shakira told me I'm not going nowhere. Now, you really think I'm going to argue with that, huh? No, you're like, please, give me some points in the album. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Joey Badass, you, you were in the studio with him. What mm-hmm. was that like? Incredible. And I got some Joey. Shout out to Joey Badass. He came to see me in Jersey. It was mad late. And I'm I'm sitting on like three Joey Badass records right now that the world has not heard. Hmm. For you or for him? I think I got two for him. And mm-hmm. I might have one for myself. But all of them are for the world. Yeah. Yeah, all for the world. All but, for Shakira. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I love him so much that I wanted to give him something mm-hmm. and something totally different. So I think like he definitely inspired me too. Um, in the studio and I think like I have like two or three ideas that I'm still putting together for him that um, because I like to take my time with artists like that because I just feel like I can't it can't be the regular stuff he's coming to me for something else but that could still be in that space of euphoria Mm -hmm. so um, we're we're searching for it but uh, sonically it's coming out dope lyrically I don't have to tell y'all nothing that's (laughs) Joey and um, it was a great experience um just uh, one thing that I'm surprised we didn't touch on, but uh, obviously Donald Trump is, uh, you know, with this anti-immigrant, uh, anti-refugee stuff. So my, th- I just wanted to know what your thoughts were as a, an actual refugee, as an actual immigrant. Well, I mean, really, my thoughts are it's a sensitive issue for me because my parents came over as immigrants and they were great people. They didn't break the law. And I got a chance to come over at the age of 10, you know, um, and when you when you coming from somewhere else, what you hear about America is like, yo, if you can get here, this is a welcoming place and you're going to get an opportunity. Your kids are going to get an opportunity to do whatever they're going to do. You know, I think that because the the debates, the debates themselves was so like bad, like so harsh things that we're saying was literally dividing the country in half so when this happens there's like an alter reality right so donald trump has a base right that's dope but to be the president of everyone you know you can't just tweet uh listen saw losers you know so because now it's not just a business you the president of the the whole place so that basically means to be a a president you have to be able to negotiate and to be able to talk with the people you know i would just said man like i was saying uh trump gets elected then the very next day the women have this march i just got back from the west coast i'm coming in the kennedy airport Mm -hmm. you have this this is what america is about so as long as we can do this peacefully then we're going to get to a middle ground but what happens is if the people don't protest then you know after that who's who knows who's next on the watch list i'm from haiti right i got a yeah. green card am i next on the list you yeah, don't know no. who's next yeah. I, I think that we all have to look out for all of our uh, fellow citizens uh whether they're jewish whether they're black whether they're from yeah. japan china you know the middle east wherever, anywhere yeah or if you're like mary j blige and Shaq and usher and you are haitian right yeah. that's right period <laughs> Clef, thanks so much for coming through thank you Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste Time with It's The Real, the first one of what we are calling the February Surprise Run of Podcasts. 
Jeff, we got a bunch more to go. But this first one, if people are looking for more that sound just like this, where can they go? You can always go to SoundCloud.com slash A Waste of Time. You can also go to SoundCloud.com slash It's The Real to check out all of our music. You can go to iTunes and search for A Waste of Time with It's The Real. We are also on Instagram at It's The Real, Twitter at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, Snapchat. Do not look for It's The Real. Fuck It's The Real on Snapchat. We are It's It's The Real and It's The Real Eric. So we've gone through over 100 episodes of this podcast. And the greatest thing is the people who have found us and passed along word for people to listen to this podcast. Jeff, it all starts with us. And we like to tell our friends to listen and spread the word. Which friend would you like to talk to right now? I want to tell Fatima B. Yeah. All of her friends up in Harlem (laughs) to listen to our podcast. Fatima B, she is a stylish, beautiful woman. She is. And by the way, she's styling big baby drum these days yes shout out to tima jeff i'd like to shout out daniel who goes by this underscore is underscore df and then hit us on twitter because he was not happy that he heard some what he called hardball slander now he's not talking about like the msnbc show hardball no but he probably doesn't like it he's talking about the movie hardball with keanu reeves which we spoke about on the 100th episode of the podcast because somebody asked about lil zane and <laughs> so of course we had to talk about hardball um there was a lot of lil zane talk well shout out to lil zane shout out to lil zane shout i out hope to tupac i hope we got some some more plays on uh, spotify for for lil zane wherever he is right now not sure. for real for real shout out to the not for real for real army out there Postcard. and uh we will see you tomorrow yeah tomorrow we have a a new episode tomorrow february surprise a waste of time with it's the real go get your tickets for your girl's story it's the real.com see you later